Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 13, The End is Pretty Seriously Nigh. This week we're discussing season 1, episode 12 of Doctor Who, Bad Wolf, and season 1, episode 12 of Buffy, Prophecy Girl. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So, Buffy, season finale. Woo-hoo. Yes, woohoo. Very exciting. Only took us <laughs> like three months, but I'm enjoying the pace. I think it's uh, been a good idea. Um, and um, really enjoyed the finale, gotta say. Um, nice. I, That's good. I liked it a lot. Um, That's great. And I think there's a lot to dig into. Um, so. I guess I kind of want to start with the quick production note because I think it kind of informs what I want to start talking about. Um, So you said before, you know, Joss as the showrunner has sort of the creative direction of of where the show is going. So um, the finale episode was written and directed by him. So that's not surprising. Um, Right, right. And so... uh, I think you've said this, and I I also was looking a little bit online, um, trying to stay away from spoilers, but also get an idea um, of the timeline of production and everything. That um, so this first season was a mid-season replacement for another show, right. which is right. why it's short compared to most American you know TV shows. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, right, and it's and it's about half the length of the other seasons of the norm- of Buffy right, that right, right, we'll be right. looking at. Right, so yeah, so maybe it was started in like January or and ran till May or something or whatever. So, right. um, so basically, when he's writing this, I assume there's no guarantee that there is going to be a second season. Um, right, this could have just been a replacement for something else that was canceled and is a placeholder, and if it wasn't successful enough they wouldn't necessarily renew it for a full season. Um, We know that they did, in fact, do that, and so we feel reasonably confident that Buffy will live to fight another day and will be returning in season two because the show bears her name. Um, But (laughs) for an audience watching it in 1997 or 8 or whatever, um, they didn't Mm -hmm. know that, and... um, and, I mean, Joss knew whether or not he was going to kill Buffy, because it's up to him, but he doesn't necessarily know that the show is going to be picked up for more episodes right. later on. So I think he's playing up um, this whole uncertainty, um, both with him of not knowing whether he's going to get to continue the story, and with the audience, who also don't know whether the story will continue and also don't really know for sure what Buffy's fate might be. Um, So I think he kind of gave the whole episode, it it had this really melancholy tone to it, which, you know, is enjoyable. It's enjoyable even though I know she's not going to, I mean, she did die and come back, but she's not going to stay dead, right? Like, I know she's going to be back for season two. And right. I still enjoyed the tone of the episode, but I think that's especially there for, like, that first-time viewer who really wouldn't know what's going to happen. 
And the whole thing, like, you know, it had, like, a very... The whole the way this show opened with, like, this just slow survey of all the main characters, um, you know, not hugely... Not a hugely action-packed episode, and the music is very somber. Everyone's in really dark clothing. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just feels like melancholy and elegiac and all these words keep coming to my mind um feels like it could have been this setup for you know this dirge you know like um so which i think gave it even though i know you know you you cited c.s lewis last time that more important than the surprise is the surprisingness that even though i know that you know that Buffy can't be written out of the show. You still, I think he pulls off the surprisingness enough that you still feel the weight of the possibility that she might be meeting her end yeah. in this episode. Like, that's still a reality for the character. And he really right, pulled right. that off. So, I think, I really like the kind of, especially because that goes against type for what we expect from Joss Whedon. You know, you expect quippy banter and energy and mm-hmm. fun you know and not that he can't and there is do some of that in here drama there's always that and and i don't mean to say that he can't do you know seriousness and drama but but it didn't feel like i expected a joss whedon episode to feel it felt you know very sort of um not even dark really just kind of sad you know sad in a good way though not sad like disappointing you know sad in a in a melancholy way so i don't know if you agree yeah no i i agree i think there there are a number of places and and especially when i i I mean i think sort of the the epitome or, or the height of of the feeling that you're talking about is is when Buffy's overhearing Giles and Angel talking and you yeah. get that sort of creepy kind of laugh when she realizes what they're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. you know is her being dead uh, or, or her, her gallows yeah, and laugh. it's I think a very um yeah I, I think that's very much that sort of tone that you're that you're talking about there and then um, I think just sort of the, the, the very climax of it is the, her, her kind of babyish. you know, after, after she tries to refute her slayerness and, you know, talk about, um, almost dispassionately about what the next slayer is going to be and, you know, whether Giles will be the one to train her. And then she gets angry a little bit and then she just kind of lets all of that go. And she has that sort of baby moment of. Giles, I'm I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. Oh, that you know, one. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to die. Yeah. Like that. That to me is where it just all kind of hits home. It's it, it's. Yeah, I I don't want to yeah. get into too much of that because I know we're still talking about like tone and stuff, and I want to get into character. I know we're going to get into kind of character later, and 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 where Buffy is and all that, and and kind of her journey. And I think, yeah. I think that's a very important aspect of all that. But no, I just, in, in answer to your questions about tone and that sort of thing, I, I think you're right. Um, I think this is, I think we see a similar sort of tone. If, if we're looking at, if, if we switch over to 
one of Joss's other works for a moment to Firefly in War Stories, where where we sure. get beyond sort of the the quippy melancholy stuff and we get into real actual torture and pain and you know like yeah. <laughs> like it goes way beyond any kind of um you, you know just sort yeah. of that normal Joss Whedon fun and and you know fun and fun and horror yeah. at the same time also, like it's no longer um, mixed it just kind of gets down into that very poignant sort of feel so and uh and the the last episode of Firefly too what's that oh. one called where river um yeah 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 um where uh objects uh, in space objects in space um cuz even war stories is you're right it is very real you know and deals with like real human pain and emotion in a way that not all the episodes do mm -hmm. um but even that has an energy to it, whereas Objects in Space, to me, has more of this kind of, like, dirge-like quality of just, it's kind of heavy-laden. Yeah, and just, yeah. You're contem contemplating your loneliness and mortality and, you know, it, like, not that I want to go through, you know, anything with Niska, but at least like, <laughs> at least they're fighting for their lives or something. Right, Whereas right. like in this, it's like that slow creeping. Yeah. I'm walking to meet my own fate kind of inexorable, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. I, I definitely hear what you're saying there. So not, to, I know we could talk about Firefly forever and maybe, <laughs> maybe to tease the listeners someday we will, but not today. Um, but yeah, no, the tone is there. Uh, and just to talk um, again, just going back a little bit to what you were saying about the mid-season replacement. Yes, actually, um, the original episodes aired not much differently from how we're watching it. Um, they started in March um, of 1997, and the last episode, this this finale, uh, aired in June, uh, the first week in June, actually, June 2nd. So um, in about... 14 weeks they aired all 12 episodes the first two were actually back to back the same night so the same night um, okay. there are there are one or two weeks where there wasn't a new episode um during that time so you know again not very different from how we watched um just even now so that's interesting i want to just because i don't know if i'll ever think to say this again just as a side note it i, I think that's an interesting difference between Buffy and Doctor Who is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Buffy has double episodes for the premiere, for the finale, that usually means that they were double billed, like in the same night, you know, that you'd have a two hour season finale or whatever. Whereas Doctor Who, the, the double and triple episodes are always separated by a week. So even when you have a double episode story, you still get a week in between. Um, I I don't know that that's true beyond the first two beyond it's not? beyond okay. the premiere. Um, okay. I I could. Be I didn't wrong. know if I, that would make a difference in the writing or you yeah. know knowing you have to wait a week at the break or whatever. I I, I could be wrong. Um, I I don't know offhand. I I can't think of any. There are so okay. so once um once Angel's on the scene, 
An- uh-huh. Angel and Buffy tended to air back to back. So there are okay. some, there are some crossover stories between those two that air that way. But I don't I don't know about particular episodes of Buffy beyond beyond the premiere of season the one. The premiere. Okay. Um, well maybe we can look at that the next time we Yeah, we can the next time we get to one. We, yeah. We can certainly note it when it when it makes sense. So uh, but but I I know at least for season one, because I did look that up in preparation for discussion here. Um, it was the same night that okay. that the the, the premiere, uh, Welcome to the Howmouth and and Harvest, uh, both aired on March tenth, nineteen ninety seven, and Prophecy Girl aired on June second, nineteen ninety seven. So very very okay. compressed for for a yeah um, a series like this. You don't get any of sort of the major holiday inter- interventions or time right. off or even. Um, I don't know if they aired, you know, if they re-aired any particular episodes in the one or two weeks that were, that they had off. It looks like there was one in, in May. Actually, it looks like the week before Prophecy Girl aired, you know, there, there was a free week. But I don't know if there was something else airing or, or if they re-aired right. a previous episode or anything like that. But um, anyway, so, so that's, that's just a note that, yeah, the, this is... That is true. And one other um, sort of thing in in the whole production uh, notes portion of the episode here. Wow, we've talked like 13 minutes about It's a good thing (laughs) we're giving ourselves extra time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Just one other note, though, is that because very much for the reason that you were discussing, because it was a a mid-season replacement and because they didn't know if there was going to be a season two, all of the episodes of Buffy were produced before they aired. So, which... which, isn't necessarily always the case with longer form um, TV shows and and longer seasons. So um, I would imagine it usually couldn't be because it takes way longer to shoot. Yeah. If it takes you nine months to shoot a season of something or whatever, some of that is going to overlap with, with the early episodes with, 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 yeah. So you're going to get fan feedback about what they do and don't like. Right. And you're going to adjust accordingly. <laughs> right, right. You're going to adjust the end of the season for how the yeah. beginning is is sort of yep. taken. And that Yeah, uh, it's inevitable. So so this is perhaps a bit more and and you know, I don't I I don't want to say I, I almost said this is a bit more pure Joss, but I you know, Joss does what he wants. So sure. <laughs> especially with with Buffy here. So you know, Right. So if we see any adjusting, it might be more between seasons rather than uh, but or maybe or maybe during the season. Well, too. well, well. My point for this one specifically was was again just that it it was produced before like everything was in the can before the first episode aired. So this was this was very much scripted out. This was very much yeah. It, this is how he wanted it to happen, and 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 so you get sort of that tone, like you get the the arc of the season, kind of all building up to this. Um, and and there'll be some things we're talking through. I, I know later in our notes we've got some thoughts about how reflect you know um, the different characters reflect even going way back to that first episode and stuff and, and kind of clearing up some of the stuff that happens um, either from a sort of mythological level or, or from a character development level mm-hmm. um, reflect back and and revert. So um, any anything else just sort of on the general tone and, and production that you had? Or that you want to talk nope. about? Nope. I think we should get into 
the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds good. It's high, t- high time we did that. <laughs> so, um, well, let's talk a bit about the mythology because we do get some interesting bits yeah. here. Um, so we get again. So back, referring back to episode two, the harvest, and well, and even episode one where they first sort of learn, but don't really know what the harvest is yet. Um, yeah. You know, we get some references. All you know, all back to that too. We get increased vampire sightings uh-huh. and and Buffy yeah, yeah. notes how she's killing you know more than, and they're kind of being drawn um you know to Sunnydale and and to the Hellmouth specifically but um we also get the reference just not quite as far back actually just to the last episode of you know Giles spending all night reading the codex which was fortuitously given to him by Angel um, last Right, we still episode. don't know how Angel got it, right? And We're still in the dark about that. If you're waiting for an answer to that, I'm not sure you'll ever be satisfied. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean... Joss, you can't do that to me. I mean, I... It's one of the... All right. So, yeah. It's just one of those things. I... I don't ever remember there being a particular explanation about how Angel gets the Codex, but... He just happens to have a library of extremely rare and missing medieval volumes Angel, of prophecy. Angel is resourceful. Well, and we know that Angel at one point was with Darla, who was one of the Master's right-hand people. So, okay, so maybe the Master so, was collecting... So we know, well, or or maybe Angel was trying to get them away from the master for various reasons. So I I mean there there are plausible explanations there as to why Angel would have it that yeah don't totally go beyond (laughs) right the realm of possibility. But yeah yeah yeah. okay Um, okay all right so that's not like a clue to anything other than his involvement in. Yeah, well, and, lawyer and everything. I mean, you know, we, we've come to see that Angel is a recurring character. It's not to say yeah. that we won't learn more about him. And I could be wrong. Yeah. There, there may be an explanation given at some point that I'm just not remembering off the top of my head. But I wouldn't see if you were Angel, you wouldn't have to hold your breath. But since you're not a vampire, you shouldn't hold your breath waiting for an explanation. Right. Um, that would be bad. Okay. <laughs> but just about sort of the prophecies and um, the stuff that comes from the Codex in general, we get some really interesting stuff um, from the master and, Mm -hmm. and just sort of throughout the episode, these, these little hints about prophecy itself and sort of the way prophecy seems to work. So we get with the Codex, we get Giles's, you know, comments about the Codex that everything in it comes to pass. And, and, it's like, well, is it because of something in this book or was like, we don't know, was whoever wrote the book, were they just extraordinary, extraordinarily accurate? Like, you know, right. like, or, or is it just that, is it the book itself? Something about the book is, you know, well, making and, these things come true. And then you're instantly in the um, Oedipus Macbeth territory where you yes. have people, uh, or more recently, Voldemort, uh, who they, in trying to avert the prophecy, they end up bringing it about. Exactly. um, And bringing, you know, their own destruction. 
which is sort of what happens with the master. He's not trying to avoid, he's actually trying to bring the prophecy true. He's right. not trying to avoid the prophecy. The prophecy he thinks is good for him. But it's still that thing of he doesn't understand what it means. And he ends up bringing about his own downfall, um, you know, because he, even though he was trying to bring the prophecy true, that was the worst thing he could have done. Although he doesn't realize it until it's over. Well, it, you know, and we get his moment of gloating. Yeah, right. That she, right. She, uh, she sets him, he thinks he's figured it out. Prophecies don't tell you everything, you know, um, they're yeah. tricky. Um, they're so tricky creatures. Her, uh, blood is what enables him to break free and he kills her and that is all true and so technically the prophecy did come true it just wasn't the end and they don't tell you everything and there's a big chunk that wasn't in the prophecy which was that Buffy was going to come back and she was going to come back stronger and I the way I read it, it was the dying and the coming back stronger that gives her the strength to finally kill him. So if he had just, yeah, as Macbeth and Oedipus learned before him, if he had just left the prophecy alone, um, he wouldn't have kickstarted the chain of events that lead to his, you know, death at the end. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's all that's all right. And and we get um Yeah, I mean and and Buffy dies, just like the prophecy says, but you're right. There's not it's not the end. And and it's funny because we've seen, you know, the master kind of have these similar sort of um discussions. Like I I I'm thinking about his whole commentary on fear and and what fear is um Nightmares? Oh, which episode was that? Was that yeah. in um was that Nightmares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, you know, where he's talking about fear and of course, you know, uh Buffy uh defeats the monster there by right. being scarier than the monster, right? So I mean, it's 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 a whole kind of similar everyone seems to think they know how it's going to play out. Giles thinks he knows, Buffy comes to mm-hmm. accept what she thinks she knows. Um, yeah, and and the master thinks and he nobody knows, really you knows. know how things are gonna end up, and the and and nobody really knows, and and e- but even as they're telling each other, well, you don't really know how it's gonna happen. They all or, think you know, they know, <laughs> yeah. Creatures, and and yet, yet they all think they. Yeah, have, well, exactly. I mean, know, there's the so much irony so there when the master says prophecies are tricky and they don't tell you everything. You're thinking, yeah, you know, you should listen to mm-hmm. your own advice. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's, that's all good stuff. And so I think that's something we can generalize a bit. The way the rules of prophecy, yeah, how it works. Maybe, maybe keeping in, yeah, maybe keeping in mind and we get other sort of hints, um, throughout the episode, just sort of different clues about how things might happen. And, and they're not, they're not all uh, well. None of them really come to bear. Like we don't. Well, like, like you know, Buffy. Maybe this is what sorry, you're thinking. One of the things, like the anointed one, right? So 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he ends up to have a very uh, he small He didn't really do much. Not only did he not do much, but it said in the prophecy that Buffy wouldn't know him. But she does. Like, because they say in the prophet, they say something well, about, and, and she's like, oh, it's you. And it's like, well, I thought he was supposed to, like, trick her into going into the Hellmouth or something. Yeah. Well, and it's... it, But they didn't know who it was before. before. Okay, so that applied to... Remember? So back... Well, I mean, okay. maybe, maybe I was not. misunderstanding like, you know what I mean? Because like, I was kind of, like, surprised when she was like... Well, it's you. Let's go. <laughs> like, yeah. No. 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 I don't. I don't think you were misunderstanding. I think. I think that's what we're meant to believe about prophecies. Is that we don't understand what they refer like, to. Yeah. 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 There's. There's. There may it may be vague yeah. or you know whatever and and that's you know I mean it's that's true of like Nostradamus and whatever you know how many people say oh you know this prophecy means X Y or Z and it's like well. Yeah. No, it can be interpreted 50 yeah. different ways. And even when things come about, it's you not know, in the, the way, way expect, quote, the yeah. prophecy. Yeah, yeah. So, so the anointed um, one is still around. Okay. So I just yep. thought I'd say that. I mean, we didn't see him. I mean, the Hellmouth <laughs> kind of did. The Hellmouth just closed. It wasn't, like, destroyed. So we assume he's still down there. Is that right? Well, and remember, the Anointed One wasn't trapped at all right, by the Hellmouth. Right. So he, he could come and go as okay. he pleased. So, yeah, we don't... I mean, after he leads Buffy down to the Master, he Wanders just off. is gone. He was so. not, he was not so. a help at all. No, well, and... I mean, he's, you know, a demon child. <laughs> How so, reliable you know. are they, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's hard to find good help. But it's kind of, so, I guess I'm uh, <laughs> left feeling like, what was the point of him? Um, because he didn't, as I interpreted that line about, he, she will not know him and he will lead her into hell. I thought that meant he was going to trick her down there. But no, turns out, that's not quite what it meant. And so... She was going anyway. He didn't, she didn't really, I mean, I guess he showed her how to get there, but like, he wasn't, yeah. he didn't really and he tries, do anything. He, and then he doesn't help at all with like the actual climactic no. battle. So fighting what, or anything. So maybe it's a matter of his purpose isn't really revealed well, yet or because I'm kind of feeling like well, he or, was, seemed to be so integral to like, the prophecy, and then turned out to not be very integral at all. Other than to show Buffy where to, where go. to go, okay, and and I think that's no, but I think that I think it's all part of the same. You know, you don't know how prophecy is going to play out. I mean, the prophecy doesn't necessarily say anything about the Slayer knowing what the prophecy right, is, right? <laughs> right. So, so Buffy's like. Hey, you're a kid. You're out late at night. You're asking me for help. I don't know you. You must yeah. be the anointed one. Like there's, you know, there's a certain logic yeah. there that while fulfilling the prophecy actually defies yeah. the prophecy. Right. Right. And time. that's why so, I, that's kind of how I was feeling was like, this goes against yeah. and not in like a negligent way on Joss's part, but it seemed to fly against what we'd been told. Like he emphatically mm -hmm. was not that, crucial to what happened 
Which which makes no, me well, kind of wonder. Uh, except, except to bring yeah. the two of them together, because Buffy had no idea where the right. master is. They had no idea that the master was literally standing right, right beneath mm-hmm. them in the library this whole time. So, um, you know, the, 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 I mean, I think he does serve yeah. a purpose. I just think it's, it's a very, very small purpose at, it's small, but crucial. I mean, I, I still think that there's, you know, it, it fulfills the prophecy and, and the anointed one brings the two mm-hmm. of them together. That's not to say Buffy wouldn't have looked and perhaps eventually found the master at some point, right. but you know, it's, it, it, it's not, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much it, it, it really matters at this point. <laughs> other, other than just that, you know, the anointed ones who get the two of them. Okay. Kind of talking in the same room. And, and this is the first time other than in dreams other than in dreams, really, that Buffy and the Master meet. Right. Right? Because they, yeah. they, I mean, in in Nightmares, but that's Yeah, and there's nothing in... Or sort of a pseudo-dream. And there's nothing in the first episodes, right? No, right, because they go down into the catacombs or the, you know, down right. through but the mausoleum and but then they get chased back out. That. Right, and they find right. Jesse, um, but they don't actually right. see the master or or meet with the master. Jesse does, right. of course, but um, but but Buffy doesn't. So, um, so one quick so, note about the master too before we start to move on to other things is that I thought you said he was the big bad. Now maybe I mm-hmm. took that to mean of the whole series, like ever. Um, or maybe he's only mostly dead and he's going to come back. I don't know, but I wasn't expecting him to be dusted and gone by the end. Um, so. I did say he was the big bad. Um, if if I didn't specify the season, (laughs) then that's, then that's my, and and I think Um, I took that. Not to mean of the season. So that was just, and, I, just not what I was expecting, but only because, you know. And and I think this is, and I don't remember if we talked about this in, in our episode, podcast episode last week, although I know we've talked about it um, separately from, from the podcast. But Buffy seasons tend to have season-long arcs that don't, I mean, they, you know, of course, the characters continue from season to season. So you get growth and stuff that, that, that stays with those certain characters from, from one season to the next, but the actual like enemies that they face and that kind of thing don't really bleed over too much from okay. one season to the next. So each season has its own big okay. bad. So um, I, maybe that's, maybe you're thinking more of a doctor who, <laughs> way of oh no is there is there if anything okay so very similar to doctor who yeah okay no i mean so i guess lord knows they have plenty of recurring characters and villains but very self-contained seasons so the no i was expecting the big i'm surprised that buffy's like that i think just what i'd heard about it as this mythology heavy show i was expecting like there to be like a very um, 
I don't know, that, that everything would be, like, integrated very, very closely together. And, and well, I'm sure, and, and maybe, and maybe in that, some ways it is, and in other ways it isn't, so. And I was going to say, maybe that explains then some of the sort of focus or comments you've put on, like, very specific books, like the Codex. Yeah, or like, like, I'm expecting, You know, like, other things, like... It, yeah, I, I wouldn't ex- like. Don't think so much about like the Codex as being some big important book that they're going to be referring to throughout the okay. rest of the series. They used it to defeat okay. the master. The okay. master's dead. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. So like, yeah, like the pro- and it told them the prophecies about the master, and those okay. have all come to pass. So we're on to the next. So like. Book. And yeah, like when 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 thinking about, but but I don't want to say that that doesn't mean that the mythology. No, is no, because it's just it a is. Type of, I just I just think yeah. that the mythology that we're talking about is more how does the the world okay. work? It's not so much invested in the in in particular objects like the codex or particular people like the master, but it's how do vampires work? How do you know demons work? How do um, how does magic work and those sorts of things more so than, you know, what is this one particular object? Cause those, those things okay. change the objects, the characters, the bad guys change. Some bad guys might become good guys and some good guys might become bad guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's all different, but the, the, the aspects, the things that they use, the, the, the fantastical magical, you know, sorts of things. Those are the things that make up the mythology, really, of of the series. Okay. So that's no, and I didn't. That's it, I didn't mean that to be a better or worse trade off. I I didn't no, mean and, that. No, and like, I didn't a, take it that way as a point against it. Just that that's not um, the impression that I'd had just from hearing about it from all these years. So it's good to clarify and, my expectations a little bit. And I'm it's like, like you said, it's not doesn't mean the mythology is not important. It's just a different kind of mythology and a different kind of storytelling. And surprisingly, it's probably a lot closer to Doctor Who than I would have thought. Um, it, well, and it's just interesting because, I'm one, I'm surprised we got through the entire season without of Buffy addressing without this sort issue. Of clarifying that point. Well, maybe I'll um, stop. Maybe that will stop me from, like, pointing out random, well, unimportant no, things. No, no, from no, no, no. No, no, no. I, I was actually just going to say the opposite because I think you're pointing out of those things, those sorts of things like the Codex and whatever. Like, I, I don't think I've ever thought about the fact that Angel just sort of happened to have this book, which is crucial to defeating the Master. Like, it's not... I don't mean to say that the objects that they get are not important at all either. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too far the other way and, and sort of deny all of that, but... I think if you're looking at it as like some sort of larger part of integrated mythology, I don't think that's necessarily the gotcha. purpose of it. Yeah. But but it you know, but but there are details to the story and I do think that looking at those sorts of details, you have to have you, you know, you have to have a good understanding of the details that make up the story in, in, in order to sort of pull out the larger ideas and, and, and truths that they're trying to get at. So yeah. I think it's 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 an interesting way to look at it, and I think that that your focus on that, I'll, even though I, there I admit there have been times where I'm like, huh, I wonder why is she so focused on you know this particular book or whatever. But I think that's fine, and I think it's good to continue pointing out those sorts of things. So I I wouldn't say don't do it. Just understand that a particular object may 
not have well, all and I, and I will to continue say. to not know what is significant and what isn't. So I'm sure I'll point things out and you yeah. can steer me in the right direction as to what's, what's just texture for the episode and what has more sort of recurring mythological weight. Yeah. Well, and like, so I would say, uh, for example, we get, um, a recurrence of Chekhov's crossbow <laughs> in this episode, to to use your phrase, um, you, you you know from way back at the beginning of the series uh, or the season, and I think that almost becomes iconic, and it's something that that you noted almost right away <laughs> um, of Buffy when when she goes out, she tends to gravitate towards the crossbow, which you know right from the very beginning she was like, why do I need to learn how to shoot a crossbow? But what does she go to take? to try to defeat the master and, you know, shoot at him. It's the crossbow. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's good to sort of pick up on those, those kind of things and, um, kind of point them out. Um, we should probably start talking about some of the characters, uh, more so than just the master who, who I think we've pretty much, um, done away with at this point. (laughs) Um, the the well and except to pick up on the point that um yes the master dies but his bones don't go to dust yeah you yeah did notice yeah that, right you know i did um, although i don't know that i articulated that to myself um yeah because i was well, kind of thinking that that last line of oh he's not going anywhere and there's the skeleton that seems kind of heavy and weighted with something but I like the way you put that, that, that hadn't really occurred to me. I hadn't thought it through that much, but, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I won't say anything more than just to note it at this point, because that's all we know is that the bones. And is that, I guess Um, maybe because of his sort of stature as like, you know, there's something about him that's harder to kill, I guess. It could be. He uh, Giles says he's the oldest known vampire, you know, in recorded history. So it could just be he has really tough bones. There's no osteoporosis yeah, he's, he's, in the master. He's drunk a lot of milk, taken his calcium supplements. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, I don't. I mean, again, just pointing it out since we're pointing yeah. things out. Because it's atypical yeah. of of right. what happens. I mean, typically the the when I, I mean, not only does the vampire turn to dust typically, but like what he or she yeah. is wearing. No, everything. You know, yeah. like everything yeah. turns to dust, and in this case, everything but the bones. And and of course, a very different sort of dusting as well. You get kind of this weird like black yeah. flies yeah. or something kind of going through him, and 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 all of that. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, all of that's different, obviously could just be because he is a very powerful dude and that's the way it is. Um, anyway, so let's move on to the characters, which of course, I mean, Buffy is the obvious one that we need to talk about right up front, uh, in this, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you. What do you want to talk about Buffy? Because, I could talk all day about Buffy in this yeah. episode, but I want to give you a chance to have well, some Well, so we kind of flirted with this a little bit earlier, just about her uh, 
coming to terms in this episode with what, you know, with her own mortality at 16. Um, and having yeah. to realize what that means. And she's realized it, but this one is definitely, like we were saying, it's more that she has to make the choice. That it's not just she gets thrown into a dangerous situation. She has to choose to accept, you know, this destiny and what it means and everything. Um, and, I mean, you were talking about the the one big scene being when she overhears... The prophecy and that being a moment of you know her um her fear and denial um so fear both of death because obviously she's a teenager and that's not fair um and then but also mm -hmm. just a failure you know there has to be the element of not wanting to face something that you're not sure you can conquer um but then right. i think so and her and her sort of conclusion at the end of that is that she quits, that, you know, this is, no, this is not fair and she doesn't have to accept it. Um, but I think that the, right. the sister scene is um, when she goes to comfort Willow. Um, and, and she's okay. made the decision that she quit. And she's had a nice talk with her mom, who is as clueless as ever, but is trying honestly to talk with her and connect with her and it helps even though she doesn't know what's going on with Buffy just the fact that she is yeah. connecting with her makes the difference um and and she tells her you know this is your life and you're young and you have your life ahead of you you should do what you want um and so Buffy puts on the dress and is on her way to go stag to the prom basically um and and she gets or at least considering right, right. doing that um and and then she gets this call that something happened with willow and it's and it's the talk with and if there was one other scene that i would put up with, up there with the one you talked about it's this one with willow that really is different than what we've seen before that like the this episode really delves into the personal consequences of all of this horror, that it's not just kids that we had in class with us being, you know, killed off by, you know, hyena monsters. It's like, it's their own lives that are at stake, and it's their friends, people that they've known growing up, you know, it's, and so we see Buffy and Willow, like, really, really traumatized by this in a way that we haven't seen them before. And it's seeing Willow yeah. like that, that, that prompts Buffy to change her mind and to say, I can do something about this, or at least I can try. And it mm -hmm. sucks, but that's my responsibility. Um, and I just kind of like, um, I think her costume is very significant, you know, that it makes me think of the lines earlier about that she can do both, that she wants to be both. A teenager and the slayer and trying to juggle both of those things and you've got her with her sort of you know pretty prom dress underneath and the tough angel biker jacket on top um and she's <laughs> finally accepting yeah. that she can do both of those things and be you know 
you know, a teenager and also, you know, taking on the responsibility. Um, yeah. Well, and it's so, and it's a flip from early in the episode where she says to Josh, you know, Giles care. I'm putting my life on the line here. Look, I yeah. broke a nail. It's, it's like the complete inverse, but, but the same exact yeah. message. And, and just like, you're completely putting emphasis on, on the other thing, right? It's, you know, I'm putting my life on the line and it's ruining my fashion state. Yeah. <laughs> now it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm still, I am still this teenager and living the teenager life, but no, I really am putting my life on the line. Like it's not, it's not just a, it's not just an inconvenience anymore. It's yeah. a mission. Right. And that has um, to be her choice. Like that for the character. It does. It has to be something that, she says, I mean, I mean, we don't know what would have happened, whether you can't say if she committed to her quitting, whether she would have got dragged into it anyway, whatever. But I think from the point of view of the character feeling in control and not like a victim, it's important that she say, I'm going to go do this. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's, it's not so much a choice that she's making, it's a choice that she's reaffirming. Right, sure. It's because she's already she's already made the choice to be the slave. And I and and it's been a slow choice yeah. over the season. And and I think yeah, that's Yeah, it's why, a confirmation you know, of we the get choice this, she's been making. Yeah. Um and, and and it's of course interesting and and completely appropriate that Willow is the one to help her do this because again, we're going all the way back to episode 1 where they're in the club, they're at the bronze and Giles is saying, you know, you should know if there's a vampire here and Buffy says, Oh yeah, he's a vampire. Cause he's wearing clothes from the seventies and almost is making a joke out of it until again, she sees yeah. Willow. And I know we've, we've kind of harped on that point a lot, but, but it's completely appropriate. This is the culmination of that moment. I feel like this is the, what the, the, the scene there where she's with Willow and, and, and Willow saying, yeah, it's like you said, it's no longer just like things happening to people that we happen to know. They've invaded yeah. our world. They made it ours and they had fun. She says it, it's not, it's not, it's like, it's bad enough that they're killing our friends. It's bad enough that they even invaded our school, but that they did it and they yeah. enjoyed it. Like that is the, the it's travesty. That, it's of that now it's um, personal kind of moment. Yeah. And it's personal no, it totally to Buffy is. because I think if there's any, I think you're right. Like, it's not like she hasn't made this choice before, but she is doing this with what she thinks is the certainty that she's going to die. And I think that makes like a qualitative difference that you're choosing, even though you think, you know, this is the end. So that's, it can't be more personal to her than that. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's, Again, just that culmination of, of the choices that she's been making. It, because she has, I mean, she's accepted. Like, you know, we haven't heard in a few episodes about her, her bemoaning that she is a slayer. Like, she's, she seems to have come yeah. to accept it. But what she hadn't come to accept was that mortality yeah. aspect of it. She's, she's accepted her power. She's accepted her ability to fight the monsters. She hasn't had to, until now, accept the fact that she really might die. She's been in some hairy situations, but none of them have been quite so yeah. life-threatening as this. This is 
like we said before, it's inexorable. There is no changing it. The Codex is right. The prophecies, they will come true. She will die. And that's the part that she has to come to grips with. Not that, not that it's, you know, her fighting the vampires anymore and doesn't have time for social right, right. activities. It's, it's a it, whole it's, new level of sacrifice. She, it's not sacrificing yeah, going she, to the prom. It's, it's sacrifice with everything. a capital S. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So I think that's, I mean, and of course we get her sacrifice and her, well, and I, you know, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but goodness, there are a lot of Buffy Christ parallels in this episode. So, okay. I mean, the most blatant and kind of superficial being the crucifix. I mean, now you need that too. That's a vampire lure thing, whatever. But she very specifically throws it away when she quits and puts it back on when she goes to fight the vampire. So that's kind of at the most superficial level. But, I mean, you've got her sacrificially descending into hell to face this, you know, lord of demons for the sake of the people that she loves, for the sake of the world. It's her blood that sets the master free from hell. Um, but it's her death and resurrection which also defeats him at the end. So the death is crucial to his being totally destroyed. Um, they even have her when she lies face down. And, but not just not just death, but death at oh, his Oh, of course, hand. yeah. No, like, and there's and, not. And it's not sorry, totally one-to-one. -one. I mean, it's not. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm, no, I know you're not making one-to-one -one comparisons. I'm saying, like, it's not, like, if she had died in a car no, accident, no, because and been resuscitated, like it wouldn't been whatever. But exactly, there's a link there because again, going back to Jesse, yeah, well, and going back to Jesse, you know, after he was turned by the master, you know, he says, "I can feel, I feel the link now. I can feel everything, um, you know, in the ground." He, there's like this whole new level yeah. of connectedness, um, and now you know, and and of course, Buffy isn't turned, but she she's bitten him. she comes back and she has this, you know, new strength of power. And, and she just knows, you know, she, I, I just know what the master's yeah. going to do. Like it, she knows how to find him and yeah. knows where no, to go. She comes it's back not, and she says, there's, she says, um, no, I feel good. I feel strong. Like she's reached this new level of supernatural power. Um, right. I mean, they, they even have her when she's face down in the water, they even have her lay with her arms outstretched. Um, in this like Christ-like pose, sure. he calls her the Lamb. Um, they talk about yeah, which, he says, which is an interesting says, turn of phrase. You're not the hunter, and you'd expect the other half of that sentence to be "You're the hunted," but he or, right. you're, or the you're the prey. But he says you're like the that. Lamb. Right. Right, so right. we've got the Lamb yes. sacrifice imagery as well. Um, you know, and just like. Uh, swatting the other vampires like flies like they're not even they're not even uh a threat now oh, a bad guy she just yeah, yeah. kicks him and he falls over um and then kind of finishing off with xander's buffy died and everything and giles i should have known that wouldn't stop you you know uh so you know and again i don't want to make it just like a one-to-one -one allegory but i think she's being you know, given 
that kind of sacrificial mythological weight in the story that she's again as like the leader and the heart character and you know and this person that we're kind of identifying with um you know i think they are laying on fairly thickly um these sorts of christian and sacrificial uh layers i I think you're right. I think there are definitely some illusions there. Do we have time to talk about the other characters? So, <laughs> I know. I was just looking. Um, I think I think we need to yeah. talk about Xander because actually there's quite a lot to talk about with Xander here. So there, there's sort of two aspects of, of Xander in this episode. One, we get the... Well, and they're connected, of course. But one, we get the whole awkward... Um, I like you. Will you go out with me? Blah, blah, blah. So we get the, obviously the initial date me. (laughs) Yeah. I think you should date me. Um, you know, we block, we fought some blood sucking fiends. It's all been a good time, but I want more. Um, yeah, no. So, and, and, and poor Willow gets caught in the crossfire here, but Willow stands up anyway. So where do we start? Where, I mean, we could start at the bronze, I suppose with, with, Xander practicing yeah. his speech to Buffy, um, which just yeah. is horrible when when you realize what's going on exactly, that he's practicing this whole thing and having Willow listen to it and help him yeah. refine it as, as, as much good yeah. as that does. <laughs> um, and, 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 and then, of course, she's like, no, no, you can practice. Yeah, no, she's more. interesting because oh. she's happy to sort of enjoy the fantasy that it's her that's being asked but but not so far as to actually go to the dance with him so she yeah when so it she allows real. a certain amount of self-indulgence but will draw the line at actually you know denigrating herself enough to be the second choice to the date so that he can go and have her and then mope over and yeah <laughs> yeah 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 no, and i and, and i thought and i'm uh, proud of willow when when she does instance. stand up to him and he kind of didn't realize what he was saying and he says i didn't think i thought well that's because he's the body he doesn't think he he does he has an impulse and he follows it um so he's not not the best care i mean in some ways you know you know, a very loyal character, but not the most sensitive character, not to Willow anyway. No. And, and yeah, no, I don't, I mean, that's spot on. Um, and it's all, it's all about, you're, you're right. As far as the whole body thing goes, I mean, for him, it's all about feeling right. He, he he even says to Buffy, it's either you feel a thing or you Mm -hmm. don't, you know, that's right. Right. You feel a thing or you don't. Yeah. If, if if you don't feel it, then it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I say or what you say. Like, let's just not, you know, let's not mince words. If you don't feel it, you don't feel it. And, and Buffy acknowledges that she doesn't feel that for him. And, and of course, then he goes right to the offended feelings of, well, you know, I'm not him. I'm not angel. I guess the guy's got to be undead yeah. to make time with you. Yeah. Um, which is a weird turn of phrase. Who says make time? Make time. You want to kind of feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, it's like, dude, just, let it go, Stop. yeah. 
Like, yeah, yeah like, it's not going to well, happen. Well, I mean, to um, both his and Willow's credit, both of them put aside their own issues to go be loyal to, to Buffy. Because Willow's, I mean, now Willow's seriously traumatized over what happened with the AV club kids. So I, you know, feel a little bit more, uh, I'd be... I'd be forgiving if she took the night off and stayed in. Um, but even but even with Xander, you know, sadly listening to Patsy Cline on his bed and everything, both of them <laughs> are in very, in different ways, very depressed, you know, uh, sort of uh, introverted states. Um, and they and they get over that to go help Buffy, you know. Whereas you could see both of them just saying, you know what. Screw it. I'm staying in tonight. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I think I think that yeah. is to Xander's credit. He's not merely... No, he loves her he enough to care about what happened. Buffy. It's not like, oh, she rejected me. Screw her. Whatever happens to her, I don't care. Like, he cares. Which, which, is, which is interesting when compared to Angel. Which, you know, you kind of cringe when, when you see him saying, oh, you know, I'm not that guy. But at the same time, what... What has Angel done? Angel's like, well, I can't be near her. I get, you know, my face goes all bumpy and, and I get, you know, can't handle being around her, which is like, you know, a weird symptom to yeah. have. <laughs> but Xander, Xander's the one who gets him to help, you know, go try to save Buffy. And, and, and you know, it's great, great little speech he, he says, you know, uh, where he says the angel is at. How can I say this clearly? Yeah. I don't like you. Like, like he doesn't have any problem rehearsing yeah. that speech. Like he, he's pretty clear on his feelings yeah. for Angel. But, um, you know, in contrast with his feelings for yeah, Buffy he there, bullies but, him into being proactive and helping. But it gives it, you know, even even that there, he's part of what he likes is it's Buffy as a person, right? He he's willing to accept Buffy's. Um, assessment right. of Angel, even though he yeah. doesn't agree with it, he you know she thinks you're a real person. He says to Angel, um, and right now I need you to prove her right. Not for Angel's sake; he doesn't care about Angel. He needs Angel to be you know to prove Buffy's right for Buffy, yeah. and and so like it it shows that he's willing to go beyond those hurt feelings, even though he initially has those hurt feelings and probably still has the hurt feelings, but he's willing to go beyond them and 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 to you know try to rescue her and of course again angel's the one hiding yeah. right he's off he's off you know whatever and, and and he's you know oh you're in love with her well aren't you like if what you're are you so doing in love here? with her yeah. why are you not yeah. helping her like why why are you skulking around yeah. and avoiding her and you know doing yeah. all this other stuff so um and then of course we get the the sort of metaphorical aspect of the fact that where, you know, last episode, Angel, you know, we learned that he doesn't have breath. He doesn't need breath. And so he's able to rescue Giles and the others from the room filling with gas. This time, though, that makes him it's a disadvantage, impotent yeah. to help Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he, he can't it's do anything. Xander, and it's Xander, yeah. And it's Xander who's, who's able to help her by um, resuscitating her. So it's, he doesn't act like that sort of typical jilted male sure. stereotype. He, he, you know, he shows that his his affection for Buffy is genuine, even upon not yeah. being returned. Um, 
and even knowing that it's not likely to change yeah. the way she feels about him at all. Um, anyway, so I, I think that I think you're right. That is to Xander's credit. And that's why I sort of said in, in, in the beginning, like we get two very different aspects that are, of course, linked mm-hmm. um, of, of Xander yeah. through there. Man, we talked for an hour already, and we've only gotten through two characters. Um, well, we talked... Okay. So, Willow. Um, I mean, we talked about... She's kind of in the same place with Xander. We didn't really resolve anything necessarily, except that um, she did stand up to him a little bit. Maybe he has some idea that... Even if he doesn't have an idea that she's really, like, crushing on him, at least he has some idea that she won't take kindly to being used as second best, you know? Right. No, she, she's definitely grown or at least had an opportunity to kind of push back a bit. Um, I mean, I think we covered every willow point I had. Um, okay. So Cordelia is just awesome. I don't really have anything else to say <laughs> all my notes are variations I, on how awesome she is so i i love with cordelia how even when she's trying to be fake she yeah. can't be fake willow i really like your outfit you know anybody who hears her say that yeah. knows that she has no yeah or the outfit okay okay no i don't yeah but or I really the, need a favor. I, like, that's annoying you, i'm annoyed <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah. not cute that's annoying um, yeah, and I mean... <laughs> and then she, and then she and bites she bites, the vampire. She's, so she's just the most unsubtle person there ever was. So she can't fake anything. Yes. She bites the vampire. She drives her car through the wall to get to the library. She's just a bull in a china <laughs> shop. Um, yeah. So, which is a great contrast <laughs> to sort of her very girly girl, you know, look and demeanor. So, um... Mm. Yeah, and it's just nice to see, like, she seems a little nicer this episode. Um, even when she's insulting Willow, it's not that much of an insult. It's, it's, they seem to have something of a rapport or understanding. Like, even when she's... I don't know why. I got a different vibe. It, um, no, you're right. I think you're right. And I think at the end of the, la- of the episode where... Yeah, it was last episode, right? Where yeah. it's all about me. Well, it really is all about me. Where she says, um, she starts to apologize or at least yeah. acknowledge that they were yeah. helpful. and, and if, But it was because other people around that she kind of put up the front. And that's that's where she still seems to be having the trouble of being yeah. genuine. Being, you know, saying what she really wants. It's... It's in acknowledging that losers can yeah. be people too, I guess. I don't like I'm not even sure exactly how to state that, but but it's it's that sort of thing where she still is having a little bit of trouble with her own feelings, yeah. I think, and, and and genuineness. But nobody else is around to see her talking yeah. to losers in this episode. Right, right. Really. Well, so like, she also seems um I mean, she seems more actively like we've noticed her picking up on things um Mm-hmm. That maybe she it showed that she was paying more attention than people think, but she seems more like hyper aware. Like the episode starts with her saying, "Like, what's that? Do you hear something?" So there's like this fight going on out. She like she's overhearing Buffy beating up the vampires, and she, and it's like she's right. aware now of what's going on behind the scenes, 
Mm. And now she's not just yeah. going to shrug it off. She's going to, like, stop having, you know, the date in the car to say, wait a minute, hold on, I think I hear something. So she's a little bit more in yeah. tune with the group and maybe she has ascended a level of awareness, like to use your metaphor, like she's a little more aware than she was. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's a perfect segue into Jenny too, Jenny calendar, yeah. because she's more aware of Cordelia and has been than Cordelia and um, has been kind of all along more aware of the, the sort of uh, supernatural phenomena, but like, the specifics of what's going on here. And of course we get the great, Oh, here's a newbie. Great opportunity for a recap of yeah, everything that's going on. Exactly. In the season finale. Well, and that's you know, kind of like, what I had in my um, points was she doesn't do a whole lot. She's mostly a sounding board for the other characters. She's someone for Giles to bounce ideas off of. And, and, uh, and, 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 you know, burgeoning romantic interest. She, no, she well, happens we to knew notice that, that Giles is we wearing the same clothing. We knew that back in, but... I thought. I thought. I picked that up. Yeah. Well, uh, continuing okay. to burgeon, I guess, I would say. Because, I mean, nothing has really developed. Like, we haven't yeah, really seen right. her, you know, much. So, it's, you know, they're, they're, it's still kind of flirty. It's still kind of, you know, whatever. But, you know, we know that she notices what Giles is yeah. wearing. You know, that's the sort of thing that that uh, someone in a developing relationship might do and, and that sort of thing. So, um, but also that sort of the, the next level of trust where she has to remind Giles, like, wait a minute, I helped you cast a demon out of the internet. Yeah. Like I deserve a little more trust than, you know, yeah. you're giving me here. Like she, she's a little more forward than Willow, mm -hmm. certainly, <laughs> you know, with regard to like, you know, you need to be respecting me and, and my capabilities and knowledge and information. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I, 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 not a lot to say about Jenny at this point, but, you know, again, like she, she's still there. It wasn't a sort of a one-off character, you know, where she came in, helps them get rid of something and then we never right, see her again. Right. So she, she continues to be around. Um, okay. So I guess we did have time to hit all the other characters here, although we've gone over our allotted well, time, even though we extended yeah, our allotted time. I mean, that was bound to um, happen for this. This is a special finale. long um, finale uh, episode. So, uh, did you? Uh, I thought there might have been a bad wolf reference in the Buffy episode. Oh, really? The cartoon that they're watching in the AV room is the three little pigs. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. It is the so, three little pigs. It's, it's not cute. It's stick annoying. Stick that in your pipe um, and smoke it and for whatever that's worth. <laughs> well, okay. So if we're going to, are we hopping? I, to... I didn't mean to hop too early if we weren't. Finished. I think, no, I think, I mean, other other than to say that this is a season finale and we'll start talking about yeah. season two yeah. next week and, and we'll see where that goes. I No, I think we, I think we've hit everything that I, that I had. So, um, save the world, yeah. time to party. <laughs> let's, let's move to Doctor Who. 
Um, no, okay. So, so bad wolf references actually. Is I know. Right I figured that would be a good with, a good transition. With, uh, with 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 Doctor Who. So we get that whole little sort of surreal um, recap of at least several yeah. of the bad wolf references. I don't know if there were if there were more than that, and there was actually only one that I don't remember seeing. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've called out all of the ones that I noticed anyway um, in the various podcast episodes here. But yeah, I think um, they did most of there them. Was one... There might have been all of the the obvious. I mean, if there are more, they're hidden so well that who knows where they right. even are. There was there was the graffiti. Yeah. There was the um, helicopter was yep. named Bad Wolf One, and and that the only one I didn't recognize is is that one brief clip where it's the face of Bo on like a monitor, mm-hmm. a TV monitor, and the television, I guess, is Bad Wolf yeah. or something like that. Like it, there's the little right. label at the top. I don't, I didn't remember that one, but otherwise I felt proud. <laughs> I, I caught them all. And of course this episode is called Bad Wolf. So, um, and, and we get the introduction of Bad Wolf yeah. Corporation. Um, a broadcasting corporation. Which, is a broadcasting corporation. Yes, of course. Um, and we also get a reference to the long game. The doctor says um, at one point that somebody's been playing a long game, which is, of course, the name of the episode of the last time that we were. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that this is almost like station. a sequel to the long game. And it's only now that we're maybe getting what that title was referencing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, well, and just to round out the references, I did catch a reference yeah. to Torchwood too in one of, in one of the questions in the futuristic weakest link uh, yeah. game. So yeah, well, let me um, give let me give no, a little I, Torchwood thing just in case there are people listening who don't know, because that is the first okay. mention of Torchwood. So for anyone who's it's oh, the it first is. one. Okay. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, I didn't, I didn't know if it, it is. was. Or not. And uh, so, yeah, it's in the weakest link game. That was the answer to one of the questions. Um, so, which is the Great Cobalt Pyramid is built on the remains of which famous old Earth Institute? And the answer is Torchwood. Um, so that is the first mention of Torchwood. It will not be the last. Um, it is the title for anyone who doesn't know. Um, a title of a show, which is actually a Doctor Who spinoff, um, which at the time of Bad Wolf hasn't happened yet. Like that show doesn't exist. That show didn't exist in 2005. That comes from later in time. I won't say exactly when, you know, we'll talk about that later. But, um, but this is the first mention. The seeds are starting to be planted. Um, and actually Torchwood, uh, is an anagram for Doctor Who. Um, and the name comes from when they would want to keep uh, things secret on the production. So maybe they were going to be filming in public and they wouldn't want people to know what they were filming so they didn't have a gajillion fans, you know, causing a ruckus. They would label the production as Torchwood and then people wouldn't know what it referred gotcha. to. So, but it... It means more than that in the in the mythology of the show. It'll come to mean, you know, its own thing. But that's where the 
title originally came from. Um, so anyway, yeah. Very so n lots of titles being sort of explained and referenced in this episode, although we still don't really know what the significance of Bad Wolf is, other than that it's the name of this corporation. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and of course we get the recognition by both the doctor yeah. and Rose that, uh, you know, it's been, it's been following mm -hmm. them around, whatever this is. And so, I mean, the assumption is by the end of the episode, that has something to do with yeah. the Daleks <laughs> because they too have sort of been hiding in plain sight, so to speak. Um, apparently, you know, we get this idea that they, well, or, or, I mean, they've been veiled, but, you know, they're there. And they've, the idea is that they've been uh, there all along. And we get the, so we, in particular, we get the mm -hmm. controller who who says, uh, my master's been hiding in the dark space, watching, shaping the earth, always been there. And they fear the doctor. And, and the way she says it, at first you think master is a singular in that, that whole, um, you know, sort of run on explanation uh -huh. that she gives. And then she says, they fear the doctor and you're yeah. like, Whoa, okay. More you than know, one what's of going them, on yeah. here? And, 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 and then you get this understanding that it's actually the Daleks. And, um, and it's shortly after that, where, where the doctor says somebody has been playing a long game. I, I think at that point he doesn't know yet that it's the right. Daleks, but, um, so, so again, we, you know, I, the assumption is that bad wolf has something to do with the Daleks and that they've been by proxy, you know, controlling some of these events that have been going on. So I, I actually, I wanted to talk about sort of the satellite satellite five slash game station and, and the condition of the earth. So we, we learned pretty early on that um, it's a hundred year. Well, we, or right, learn right at the beginning that has a hundred years after the events of mm -hmm. the long game. Um, and that things haven't worked out quite so well as the doctor. Had yeah, hoped. not so much. Um, he, he, you know, he says, uh, the, in, in the long game, I believe right at the end is where he says the human race should accelerate now and be yeah. all back to normal. But of it's course, regressed even further. Not. Yeah. Um, and and so uh, yeah, it's regressed certainly. <laughs> yeah, what he says to uh, Linda with a Y uh, that half the world is too fat, half the world's too thin, and and you lot just sit there watching <laughs> telly. <laughs> well, and it's like you know, um, it, we went from corrupt news to mindless reality TV. Like you you just yeah, which is actually one, worse. You know, which evil is more of an evil? You know. Yeah. Um, and they're still, so, I mean, yeah, they're still I mean, either way being controlled by the media and, and the media that they we, consume and everything. Yeah. Which is, so it's, and it's interesting, right? So we, we talked a lot about dystopias and sort of the dystopian tradition when we were talking about the long game. And of course now, yeah, you've just sort of swapped out one, one for another. So now we get, um, the the uh well we get like wally version right. of dystopia <laughs> yeah, have you sure. seen that movie um which, which is um has some strong references to the machine stops uh -huh. by em forrester 
uh, which is a very much a dystopian um, story about you know people who who basically sit around all day letting the machine yeah. entertain them and and provide for them um um also and of course also sort of hints of fahrenheit yeah. 451 which you know there's there's the wife uh in that story who you know just wants to have enough money to get another panel so that she's completely enclosed by yeah. screens and can do their little ongoing teleplays and all sorts of things so um yeah, a lot of lot of these sort of uh, dystopian references in this one too, and and again, not like really just sort of little shifts in theme and and situation. Not really. Yeah, no, lot, it's it, it's it, things it's, like um, I've I've this is like uh, something that exists outside. This is like a a Roman or a Latin idea, but I've seen it discussed with things like the Hunger Games, where like that combines you know, this kind of brutality and reality TV and mixes them all together, which, even though this predates the Hunger Games, it kind of reminded me of that. Um, the, this phrase, bread and circuses, which is a political yep. idea that you can apply to a lot of different things, but the idea basically being that it's a type of public control, and but rather than controlling them through force or through... Um, misinformation like in the long game with the with the skewed media or the skewed news reporting it's more through keeping them entertained and so they don't question whatever policies you know or whatever their situation is it's that you know I, I kind of got right. a little quote off of Wikipedia it said like um, like shaping public policy through diversion or distraction or the satisfaction of the immediate shallow requirements of the populace. So you just keep them watching all these reality shows and and that extra dose of fear thrown in there of the fact that they could be a contestant at any moment. And then this, right, right. this <laughs> yeah. keeps them completely submissive. Um, so it's not different than it was in the long... It's not fundamentally different than it was in the long game. It's just a shift in tactic. It's almost like if the Daleks were behind this the whole time, it's like the doctor threw down one form of corrupt government and he left and they quietly set up another version of the exact same thing. Yeah. And well, and except that it's, it's, it is more, um, nefarious yeah, sure. <laughs> um, because we didn't get the sense in the long game that people were actively being killed right. or, or done done something with. I mean, everyone seems to just accept the fact that people are being disintegrated. Yeah. Like nobody even considers the fact that maybe they're just being transferred to some other location. But like, which is worse? Which is you know like just the fact that these people no longer exist, or that they exist somewhere and nobody knows where they are, or what's being done to them, or what they're being forced to right. do. Like. There's just no consideration there. Um, and, and yeah, and of course it's the, the, the methods that they do it obviously are through these game shows. And, and of course we get, we get Linda telling us about uh, yeah. other game shows that, <laughs> that where it sounds like people actually are dying, not just being disintegrated. Right. 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 To yeah. Some other location. But 
Um, you know, like, well, Wipeout, yeah. that, that one's obvious. Like, we don't even need to talk about what, it's like, well, no, how are they being wiped out? Like, what and exactly? And the one where they get on? turned to compost, or, um, or. Yeah, yeah, or or they have 30 seconds. To or or they have to sing you know? or else they get blinded. It's like stars in their eyes. You sing yeah. or you get blinded. Star- <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally stars in your eyes. Um, so, yeah, there's. You know, there's a lot going on here. But so the two games that, of course, we get are reality shows. I guess one's a game, one's a reality show that we get are Mm -hmm. Big Brother (laughs) and The Weakest Link, both of which I'm familiar with from the American versions of those shows. But I'm sure they're not all that different conceptually. No. Um, And with Big Brother, I mean, again, we're backed in dystopia. That's a pointer right back to, you know, 1984. Um, cause that's where oh, the yeah, show yeah, absolutely. got the name. Um, and it is such, right, I mean, right. that's a real world show and that is such an ironic thing. I mean, of all, all reality shows well, are a little bit ridiculous, but that one has to take the cake because it is <laughs> a reality show based on the theme from 1984 about government watching people, you know, invading their privacy and their lives and here you have a show which is completely voyeuristic that the whole premise is that we invade these people's lives and watch everything that they do and it's it's this horrific idea turned into entertainment and we watch this right so it's like this strange meta ironic thing that is very troubling and confusing well, and, and the popularity yeah. of it, too, is is kind of what – because there are – you know, I, I mentioned I'm familiar with the American versions of the show. But I know with Big Brother in particular, the show, there are many national versions of that show. Like it, it airs in I don't know how many different countries, but a lot yeah. of different countries. Um, and so like when they say, oh, there's 60 different versions – that's actually that not far from the truth. I mean, yeah. I don't know that I don't know that there's sixty versions in the real world. There could here, but be. There yeah. are a lot of different yeah. versions and, and and it's not beyond the realm of possibility that there could at some point in this actual primary world be yeah. sixty versions of Big Brother, yeah. the T V show. Um and of and then of course you get the hint, well, you know, oh they had to scale back some. You yeah. know, like there there weren't there used to be more. I mean, it is amazing with the no, satire what? that they're doing that they got away with as much as they did because they got permission from Big Brother and The Weakest Link to use um, the theme music and uh, and the actual announcers and hosts played the vocal parts for the robots. Um, I mean, they used the sets and the props and everything. So, you know, with the kind of... You know, I don't know how much those shows really care about thematic <laughs> resonance, but um, I don't know. It doesn't shed a yeah. good light on those shows and what they're about. Right, right. Well, and and so the interesting thing that that I was thinking about too is is when we see the doctor and he comes and you know, okay, so. You have this show where the entire premise is that, like you said, they watch everything that you do. Like, everybody watches everything that you do and whatever. The contestants start complaining about their rights and the rules of the show. And 
well, wait a minute. It's not fair that, you know, we've got this new guy in here now that we also have to kind of beat out, you know, in order to win the show and stuff. And it's like, where has your focus gone? Like when you, you know, and of course at that point, when, when the doctor first shows up, we don't know what's going on as far as, you know, people are being disintegrated, but the people in the show know, like they, they fully 100% know what the, the risk is for them, but they're, they're not complaining about the fact that they might die. They're complaining about the fact that they have to play against a new person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the whole focus of their concept of what is right and wrong with the situation that they're in is just being completely subverted. But Um, isn't that the, isn't that part of the complaint is I've been putting in the time and what if people vote for this new person who they don't really know and therefore I'm going to go get sent to the disintegrator and and that's not fair. Right. You know, I think still the fear right. of the death well, is well, still part of that complaint. Yeah, no, the fear of the death is, but the complaint should be why well, are you killing yeah, people? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like it it shouldn't be it shouldn't be how do I you know, how do I win the why, game? Yeah. You know, how yeah. Do, how do I beat this one yeah. extra person? It should be it should be, why the hell are you pulling me out? Because, you know, and, and we learn later that none of this yeah. is voluntary. It's, it, you know, they've yeah. been pulled, chosen, whatever, from where, whatever they were doing. And suddenly now they're fighting literally for their lives. Um, not, you know, fighting combat, but fighting with their charm yeah. and their, you know, likability and all of that. And, you know, Linda, <laughs> am I popular? Well, everyone thinks you're sweet. You know, yeah. what's the doctor know? But... Um, you, you know, that's, that's the, well, I don't, I don't want to be too popular and I don't want to be overlooked. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I don't, I, I want to find that perfect middle ground that's going to have Skate me through, stay yeah. all the way to the end. So, but yeah, again, you know, the focus becomes diversionary. It, it, it's not about why are you killing people and, and why is killing people suddenly entertainment? It's, it's, it, it becomes, um, you know, how can I beat this person so that I'm not the one? Well, who gets and scared. they're all, I mean, they all seem to like enjoy the shows as well. You know, like how quickly even Linda, who's a contestant, you know, can talk about the shows and what they're like and what she watches. And, and even, even the doctor likes, bear with me, <laughs> that he's the one saying like, oh, human beings, you're all sheep and you just, but that one with the bear. That's a good show, and it's <laughs> actually a good, a good one. one. Yeah, you yeah. know, which is just like nobody's immune to this type of, you know, entertainment. You know, right? I mean, I I hope that the doctor, I and I don't expect that he would ever just sit back and let himself be disintegrated, but if even he can kind of admit to, you know, enjoying this kind of mindless entertainment you know i think that's saying a lot yeah well and and the idea that it's all automated right he he damaged property it's an automatic process we you know we don't have any control over whether or not he gets disintegrated um and 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 the idea that merely surviving is enough to get by you know the, the uh what you know what do you get out of it well we get to live. Isn't, isn't that enough? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it enough that like, if we win, we, we get to live. Well, no, that's not enough. Yeah. Like, 
you shouldn't even be in this situation in the first place. But anyway, um, and the weakest link variation on a theme, um, except that the voting isn't being done by outside people watching. It's being done by the contestants themselves. And that's what horrifies Rose, uh, when she realizes what's going on. Uh, of course, it's that she's actively participating and must continue to actively participate in other people's right. destruction. Um, and, and death, she believes that she's helping to kill them at that point. And who knows? She may still be helping to kill them. We don't actually know what happens after they've been transmatted, right. you know, away from yeah. the station. So, um, anyway, so, so yeah, very disturbing and all of this and, and noticeably more disturbing than the last time the mm -hmm. doctor was here. And that seems to be to sort of shift in talking about the doctor himself. That seems to be obviously his, his horror when he realizes that it's not just, I've stumbled upon a bad situation that I have to try to help. It's, it's the, Oh my God, I helped create this situation. Um, right. So, right. And we were talking about this before we started it, recording, that that goes back to the last episode and the kernel of truth within the things that Margaret was saying about, um, you know, you're not someone who faces consequences of your actions, that you, um, you know, you stop the villain, but then you run off and it's everyone else who has to deal with the cleanup. And this, you know, I mean, right. we've questioned the accuracy of that statement, but here's an example of one instance where, um, yeah, that him, you know, I mean, now, realistically, would he have, you know, what would have happened if he'd stayed behind? Who can say? But it is an instance of he threw down a government and something worse got built in its place yeah or or you know, well it's and and this is sort of an argument in the real world for not killing certain world mm. leaders right is the you know live with the devil you know it, 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 you know there's maybe bad things going on but what if someone worse gets into power you know or do you step in and stay for the long haul and and have a quagmire war mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, in the Middle East or, or that sort of thing. It's like, I mean, these, these are the types of things that, that get argued about in, in real world circumstances too. But it's, it's that idea of, yeah, you're leaving a vacuum and something is going to fill that. And what is the something? It's very easily and perhaps even likely going to be someone or something worse than what you are leaving mm -hmm. behind. Um, or, or what you were removing. So, um, and, and as the, that interesting exchange between the doctor and Linda, where he says, um, you know, last time I was here, I put it right. You know, I, I said everything to right. The world should have been this, you know, the fourth great and bountiful human empire. Like this, this is what I did. I, I said that. And she's like, oh, well, that's when it, everything yeah. went wrong. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No, I, I put it right. It shouldn't be wrong. Like that's Yeah, like but, that's what it went wrong. That. Like it wasn't wrong before. Like this is so much worse that they think of that as yeah. the turning point. Yeah. Right. 
Right, right. Um, and yeah, and just that matter of perspective, again, from someone who sort of flits in mm-hmm. and flits out versus someone who's lived all her life under this regime. And, and, and that the regime has been going on since long before yeah. her life, too. Um, I mean, we don't know how old Linda is, but, you know, she couldn't be more than 20-something. Right, right. So, <laughs> um, you know, clearly this has been going yeah. on a while. Um, but anyway, the, the, so yeah, so the doctor has his moments, but it's interesting when he sort of realizes the truth about the Daleks and what's really going on here. Or I, well, I guess we don't really know what's really truly going on, but I mean, we have to believe that the Daleks are behind it. And of course, um, when the controller gets transmatted away from uh, the station, you know, she's killed and, and refers to mm-hmm. them as her master. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, that that's, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say that, yes, the Daleks are playing the long game, as he says. Right, right. They're, they're the ones that, that yeah. are behind all of this. And, and so even at this point, then, we have to wonder, it, was it really the doctor's right. fault? Like, what's, Well, and again... You know, and once, again, once again, it goes back fuzzy, to... That's the part of Margaret's argument, which isn't accurate. You know, that you can't rest all the blame on him for the evil done by other people, which he's only trying to redress. So, I mean, it's a kernel of truth, you know, but the much larger truth is that, yeah, you can't say that, I mean, because obviously, you know, the Daleks have been, you know, controlling people for who knows how many years. Um, Right. Well, and, and they've been, I mean, they're time travelers too, right? Right. Yeah. The Daleks? Yeah. So, and we know that this bad wolf meme has been following the doctor around. So, like, what other aspects of the things that he's encountered are their fault? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's those are the questions I have. I know there's another Mm -hmm. episode here before the rest of it may be revealed. I don't know. I'll have to watch that as soon as we're done with this podcast. Um (laughs) <laughs> but anyway um so i don't i don't know i mean what else about the doctor like maybe have i missed or or should we talk about yeah um, um well uh i want to point out um that the doctor is uh making a fair few promises in this episode um a little a bit l- a uh, little. he says yeah. when he gets out of the Big Brother house. He says to, he wants Linda to come. And he says that he promises mm-hmm. to get her out alive. Um, and she goes right. with him. And later she says that, like, um, something about, it matters to me, I put my life in your hands. So he's given her, you know, assurance that he'll look after her and everything. Um, and then at the end, right. his big, angry speech against the Daleks, um, that he's going to rescue Rose He's going to uh, save the earth. And then just to finish off, 
he's going to wipe every last stinking Dalek ship out of the sky. So we have. Yeah, which is interesting because he already. He's, I've already done this. So I'm going to do point. it again. <laughs> and he's going to do this without uh, weapons or defenses or resources or any sort of plan at all. Um, and the fact right. that he has none of those things and is telling them that he's going to do them is terrifying to them. Um, and that's kind of his MO. Um, you know, they kind of make a little bit of it to do in this episode about his thing with guns. Um, it's, it's yeah. very rare to see the doctor with a gun. So when you do, it's okay. usually a sit up and take notice kind of moment. Um, because as a rule, he is not big on guns. Like he gets, he's sure. super pissed when he thinks that Rose got killed he gets his gun, He they escape from the guards, and he kind of uses it to sort of blast his way into the control room. But then just as easily, he's like, oh, like, I'm never going to use it, and he throws it away. And, again, is relying right. just on his, uh, his wit and his mouth and everything else to do, and his and screwdriver. And screwdriver. So, um... So I think those would be the points worth noticing in this, is his sort of making of promises um, and uh, yeah. and his both his uh, picking up of the gun and the fact that he throws it away um, and says that he wouldn't use it. Those are all kind of little doctory motifs to maybe keep your eye out for. Okay. Yeah, no, and definitely picked up on the promising uh, promises that he makes. It, I mean, especially at the end. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know his and and interesting in you know from the episode Dalek where he 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 completely regrets the decision that he has to make, um, and he feels like he's yeah. killed Rose yeah. off at that point um when when you know they have to close the the doors and can't get them open again and we expect rose at that point may be killed but i don't know i didn't get the same feeling there i actually so and i have to admit, well no because he doesn't bear as much responsibility for this one like that was like a decision yeah, that I, he made to shut the door right whereas this it's just i was gonna say i have to admit I have to admit that I, I thought yay. they killed Rose. <laughs> not yay that she was killed. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure why you're cheering at that, but no, I, I, I. Yeah, and I. It's a while since I watched um, that for the first time, but I think I don't remember how long that feeling lasted. But I definitely had, at least for a couple minutes, the feeling of, holy crap, they did not just kill her. Yeah. It. And it was a no. Yeah. They can't do that. And then Can it was they a, do that? well. I mean, there are billions of possible companions. I mean, he can pick up a new one. And the fact that he had Linda now right. with him, right? And I right. was, He's I sort was of thinking like Linda. maybe yeah. she's the new, like, oh, how fortuitous you found another young woman to accompany you, just yeah. as Rose is about to yeah. disappear yeah. and be killed. So like like I I had my doubts I I mean part of me yeah. didn't want to believe it um and and part of me thought no that couldn't happen but I I really 
I'm like, no, you know, I mean, maybe they put yeah. weed in here. <laughs> maybe, maybe they killed someone off. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I didn't know, but I'm, I'm glad they didn't obviously. And of course now the doctor's just pissed because, you know, now he has to save Rose and I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I'm like 99% sure mm-hmm. he will. Um, but you know, I, I, I can't go without saying that I did actually have several minutes of wondering, yeah, ponderment, yeah. yeah, where where I thought they may have killed Rose off. Um, yeah, well, that's good, good and, for them, good fake and, out. It is just yeah, so unexpected well, yeah, good, good. when it happens. You know, because I think you spend right. the whole well, episode and, and especially in fear and tension, and you're just waiting for her to get out. So then. To have that dashed right at the end, you do have that moment of "Oh my god!" Like, yeah. Well, and and Jack has that huge gun, so you expect him to come Blast running in the, and the, shoot right, the, the android. android. <laughs> and yeah, 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 exactly. So um, th- that was the surprising aspect to me was that Jack didn't use the gun at all, and that it just seemed to be superfluous yeah. at that point. Um, and then that they had such a incredibly easy time getting out of their little jail cell. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, right after that. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I was definitely... And, and the fact that the doctor was so yeah. pissed at Rose's disappearance, um, he seemed to believe that Rose was dead. He he did yeah. believe that Rose was dead. And, and that... Made yeah. me believe. Too. Yeah, solid so, acting from um, Christopher Eccleston. He totally sells yeah. that quiet fury. Right, right, right. Um, and we've only got a few minutes left here because <laughs> we yeah. went way long well, on Buffy. Okay. But um, the well, we got to talk yeah. about Jack. So I mean, well, okay, sorry, don't want to shortchange Rose, but she. I, well, one, we think she's dead right. partway through the episode. But the the other thing is, I mean, she starts out just doing what she's kind of been taught by the doctor, just having fun, yeah. going with the flow. Oh, okay, I'm playing yeah. for fun now. I'm going to play to win. Okay, you know, like, you know, I'm not supposed to be here, but hey, my name's on the what podium. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I know this I know this game. What's, what's the worst thing And, of course, can, it's happen? all questions about the future, so she can't. I mean, she gets like the simple yeah, math question, but the only futuristic question <laughs> yeah. that she gets right is about the face of Bo. Um, everything else, right. she has no idea because it's referencing things that are totally outside right. her experience. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But other than that, and 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 then she gets a little perturbed when she's reminded that she's unemployed right. and itinerant. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, other than that, like. You know, she's just kind of going with the flow until she realizes, obviously, what's going on, and then and then she's um, playing to win, but becomes very disturbed. <laughs> yeah, becomes very disturbed by it. But and and um, wants to just you almost she wants see her to just leave, and then really quickly realizes that's not an option. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that that yeah. won't help you out any. Um, but then there's Jack. And Jack, Jack is the Cordelia yeah. of sure. this episode. Well, and maybe, maybe continues to be throughout. I don't know, but um, <laughs> he's a very confident man. <laughs> um, am I naked in front of millions of viewers? 
Uh, ladies, your viewing figures yep. just went up. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Jack's really hilarious. Um, uh, and the, the, the I, teeny little gun that he hides, you don't want to know where he hid it. <laughs> where, where exactly? I mean, nope. there's not many options. Um, and he does reach oh, around. Well, I think himself, we know so. where he hid it. He just doesn't want to say. <laughs> Uh, um, he's a very clean uh, young man too. Apparently, yeah. um, the, the 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 the. But no, the. I, what else can you say? Does he look like an out yeah. of bounds sort of guy? Well, no. In fact, you look like you have no bounds. There is no, no. out of bounds for you. There's boundaries. No, do not no. Exist. And he is someone. Um, uh, you know that line: "The pleasure was all mine." That's all that matters in the end. That he is someone who lives <laughs> for today and. To yeah. have a good yeah. time and to have, you know, pleasure is his sort of way of life. Yeah, motivating factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, that's great. Uh, but um, definitely in, I wouldn't say that this tone mirrors Buffy, but I think it also it, it does have some more obviously of that somber moments. Um, in, in kind of the same way that you were talking about with with Buffy as well, in that obviously we mm -hmm. think Rose dies, so that's yeah. pretty sad and and upsetting. But um, you know, just again the realization and and the fact that this particular dystopia is so much worse than the last time we were in the same location, um, I think gives sort of lends to that little bit more. Um, surreal and and somber atmosphere so jack is a a delightful uh <laughs> uh, uh interrupting sure, yeah, factor yeah. of that you know like he, he you know he brings that release to some, yeah, he some does. of that which is nice um and, and other small bits of humor um the doctor he says the moment where he he remembers where they were in the tardis you i i remember and linda says that's yeah. the amnesia <laughs> No, well, actually, no. That's the opposite of amnesia. He remembers, um, but yeah, no. There's, there's some. Yeah, and also there. when yeah. when Linda says that he's he looks good when she's surprised how old he is, or that he was there a hundred years ago, he says, "I moisturize," just like Cassandra moisturized. <laughs> um, right. And right, uh, right. the other one that makes me laugh is the Daleks. Their prissiness can be very funny. So. It, certain turns yeah. of phrases are so uniquely them. So when they say, you know, you'll do this or we will exterminate Rose Tyler, and he says no, and they go, what is the meaning of this negative? That kind of, like, formal <laughs> stuck-up language is uh, very funny. Yeah. I just, I feel like I want to use that in daily If next time someone says no, I'm well, going to say, what is the meaning of this negative? And... And so I, and of course I've only seen one Dalek and I've never seen other episodes of Doctor Who. So like the episode Dalek uh -huh. is my only experience with them, but like, okay, the doctor said, no, why don't they just right. kill her instead I, of like I going did, into a, I did think of that psychotic. Uh, the only, the only thing I could come up with is that maybe by keeping her alive, they're hoping they can appease the doctor some way rather than if they just kill her then he's definitely going to come after them. That's my only, that's kind of a feeble yeah. defense. That's the only defense I really have. 
I mean, they go into this, um, you know, psychotic sort of <laughs> frenzy and yelling the word exterminate, which I, I get, you know, exterminate is sure. their phrase of choice. But um, like at the same time, it's like, OK, the doctor just told you exactly what he's going to do. You could very easily yeah. stop this. Like, you know, talk about prophecies. Like this is the doctor just saying, I'm going to come save Rose Tyler. Well, if you <laughs> shoot her in the head, doctor right. can't come save her. Just, I'm just want to point this out to you apparently hateful mastermind fiends you know that you are like you should be yeah. thinking of this already maybe they're just so enraged <laughs> by his uh you know defiance that that it throws and them into a frenzy and they can't think logically i have to side with you a little bit that i think while the daleks may be doctor who's most iconic monster they're not necessarily its most effective and a little <laughs> bit of that is, I think for those of us who didn't grow up with them, you don't have, not that they're totally not effective, like I think there's a part of them which is still, like Dalek I think is a really great and effective episode. But, sure, but sure. they as a group can be less for me. And I think this is because I didn't grow up with them they're not always the scariest. Um, and I think it's because yeah. they don't always do things that make a lot of sense. They kind of do what you expect Daleks to do, which is like... Or like a five-year-old child sort of, to do. You know, and so it's like, there's a little bit of it is, I think... Yeah. I No, I mean, I really got that sense at the end that they're children throwing sure, a Sure, yeah. Like, like that, like, oh, what? They told us no? Oh my gosh. We're going to, we're going to run around and yell yeah. a lot. You know, yeah. like that's, that's their, their resolution yeah. of the problem. And when there's really actually a pretty easy way to yeah. defy the doctor yeah. back. So, um, yeah, I mean, anyway. I, I don't have a great defense. My only defense that makes any sense is that for some reason, at this point, keeping her alive is advantageous in a way that shooting her wouldn't be. But I don't, that's, that's all I can come up with. It's not hugely so, satisfying. And it, on the flip side of that, Rose already knows how to change right. the Daleks. She could just go running around touching them all. Um, since they're clearly not going to kill her, it seems. Um, so I don't, maybe she does do Well, that. I, I won't say whether she does that here. or not, but that is a theme that will be addressed in the next episode. So okay. they won't completely okay. forget about that idea. That will come back. All right. Well, you know. And the, and I realize we only saw a few moments yeah, yeah, yeah. of the Daleks at the end. So and, I mean, And I know, don't remember. And, maybe and, in the first get, minute of the next one, it's like some, one of them says, let's exterminate. Rose Tyler and the other one says, no, we can't because of whatever. So I don't know. I don't yeah. remember. Maybe not. So, okay. All right. All right. All right. So I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so anything else on the doctor or any of the characters or the situation? Uh, that let me double check. You had? But I think, I think we're good. I mean, I had a couple things about Linda with a Y, but most of it you covered just that, um, she is kind of set up as a potential companion, obviously. The doctor specifically tells her to come with him. Um, 
And then she later says, I could come with you, like, really, you know, long, excuse me, long term come with you. I wouldn't get in the way. And he says, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind if you did, Linda, with a Y. Um, so, right, and then right, right. even just the way they looked, they opened up the window on the observation deck and looked over Earth. And it kind of mirrored the Doctor and Rose doing that in the end of the world. Um, mm. So, she's, you know, I think you're picking up on, you know, her, them kind of, holding her up as a potential companion at this point. And and that does help with the fake out with I agree. Maybe part of part of the reason it's there um is to sell the idea that Rose might be gone. Yeah. No, the minute the minute the doctor turns back to her is actually reminiscent of the first episode in the elevator. Yeah. When he's running out with the explosive device and he turns back and says, yeah. by the way, what's your name? You know, like uh, I mean, in in this instance, he already knows Linda's name, but he is inviting yeah. her to come yeah. along, and and uh, so that 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 together with Rose's sudden and inevitable dismissal yeah. um, led me to actually think that Rose might indeed be dead, and that Linda was going to become well. And I think that I think that you picked up on something too, um, which you know I kind of talked about how with Buffy. For a first-time viewer, they wouldn't necessarily know that there's going to be more of a story. So they might think that that was it for Buffy. Now, I have a feeling that Buffy is going to survive the series in some form, seeing as her name is on the title of the entire show. But I also know, uh, you know, that Whedon is famous for killing characters, surprisingly. So I don't feel like people are safe in Whedon shows. And... Well, even, even Buffy. Buffy, exactly, because we've already seen her die and come back, um, right? And maybe that'll happen again, for all I know. Um, but uh, there's an there's a, another element with Doctor Who, which is very similar, which is that okay, it's about the Doctor. You know, the Doctor always has to be there in some form, but we also, you know, know that the Doctor can change over time. Um, and we know that the companions aren't necessarily um, stable, that the show goes on for so long that there there is a certain amount of cast uh, renewal, you know. Um, so sure. so there is well, that and, sense of nobody's am, really safe, um, especially for right. a viewer who doesn't right. know what's coming, which most of us in America don't because we're not surrounded by it on a daily basis. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I I mean, and I think that's something that I might have ruminated about had I had it sort of occurred to me to do so, you know. But like, that's interesting points. Like, I mean, yeah, the human, the the companions are for the most part human, right? Yeah, or all human, and and so yeah, they either will die or go on to, and I, I feel like we did maybe talk about this. I don't know if it was in the podcast or not, but you know, I feel like we did talk about the fact that, you know, they come and go and, and whatever, but yeah, like just, I didn't, I didn't actively think of that in regard to Rose. Right. But until of, it kind of again, hits that you idea in the face of, in this episode. Yeah. Of, of Linda sort of being groomed as that next potential companion and then, and then seeing Rose disappear. It, 
I mean, I assume that at some point along the way, companions have died while yeah, they've been sure. with the doctor. But, but no, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but it certainly seems reasonable that that could have happened. So, and um, I especially, I think and too, given, uh, really in this first season, especially it's as much about Rose as the doctor, maybe even a little more so. Um, certainly mm-hmm. I felt that when I first watched it was um, feeling like she was the character, I mean, as much as I loved the doctor, that she was the one I was really following alongside um, in this first season. So, uh, you know, I think... Yeah. I think that's that, that lends so, to that shock of this episode. Um, it did for me. So, so... So we're almost at yeah. the end of the season. And I guess we'll have some more answers we next week. And, uh, I, we, well, and we may have another super long have a, podcast next week. Because we've got another finale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I guess we should barely cut this one off just before the two-hour mark and say thank you to everyone for bearing with us. Um, we hope it was interesting. I think. I know we both enjoyed talking about this. And, Clearly. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I know we probably will continue talking about it more um, at some point, but thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next time. See you then.